Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope everyone is enjoying a great weekend, and we're going to kick the show off today with our good friend Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. They're located at 2645 South Santa Fe. Their number 303-698-2550, and truly your one-stop shop for all of your angler needs. I promise you, they got a lot of great things there in the store, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first of all, we'll welcome Mr. Parr. How are you, sir? Doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me. This hey, man, great to have you. And uh, uh, man, I want to talk about the store and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you recently posted something on Facebook, and I got in touch with you, and you kind of informed me about it a little bit. And so we wanted to bring it to our listeners' attention. And um, as always, you know, on different social media, you never know what's factual and all that kind of stuff. And so your um, post was very factual. And so just want to put it out there to educate people and of course they can make their own decisions but just want to give them some education here and we're talking about spear fishing right absolutely so there's been a, an interesting development over the last little bit here so last thursday at the southeast regional colorado parks and wildlife roundtable meeting uh as a virtual meeting by the way uh there was a proposal that is being uh put out there by the rocky mountain spearfishing association to open up spearfishing for game fish in Colorado. And by spearfishing, I want to make sure to note that this is not bow fishing. Uh, so not from the surface. This is subsurface spearfishing uh, for species like trout, walleye, bass, wiper, uh, you know, a whole number of, of different things. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at something here where a lot of people are concerned about uh, killing potentially slot-sized fish and whether or not you can determine if it's uh, an 18-inch or a 19-inch walleye or 17-inch walleye for that matter. But then also kind of the big concern here for a lot of people, particularly in the angling community, is the removal of your broodstock fish from these different bodies of water, so your largest fish in the ecosystem. Okay. So I want to approach it two ways. For the person that, you know, maybe doesn't really understand all the different um, – things of what this will entail uh, from your side is, you know, and our side, we want to help stop this. So um, let's just kind of talk about what you feel would be the negative impact. Absolutely. So the, the, the big deal for one is going to be the removal of those largest fish species. So from a lot of spear fishermen out there, they are openly admitting that they only target the largest fish species. So that's going to negatively impact, obviously, when you start talking about specifically going underwater and, and shooting them. And then you might, from the other side, say, okay, well, anglers sometimes kill big fish too. And, well, certainly that's the case. But secondarily, anglers, although sometimes wanting to target big fish, can't simply swim underneath the water and shoot the largest of fish that are down there. Uh, additionally, you start talking that the majority of your large fish, particularly in a warm water species such as walleyes and bass and catfish, are your females. So the big females are then removed from the ecosystem and therefore removed from the gene pool, which certainly is a negative. And then kind of a secondary element here that a lot of people aren't necessarily considering, but when you have a dive boat down underneath the water, mm -hmm. you have to remain at least 100 feet away from them, uh, so a 200-foot diameter 
on your, uh, you know, uh, around these specific boats. So when you start talking about maybe two or three or four of them lined up on a shoreline, you can effectively shut down uh, shorelines in already small lakes. And then the other argument on the opposite side is that, well, it's allowed in other states around us. Well, certainly that's the case. But at the same time, we don't have lakes that are the size of Pathfinder or Glendo in, in Wyoming or McConaughey in Nebraska. But for that matter, those lakes still are having an issue with the broodstock fish being removed. Okay. So looking at, and you know, I scanned some of the different comments of those that agree with you, which most did, and then few that didn't. How can the other side, because, uh, I mean, I tell everybody that I meet about, you know, you, and I'm like, man, if you want to know anything about fishing, this is a guy. So someone with your education, your background, and you're all about conservation, you're all about all the good things that we're all for, um, how can the other side, so to speak, think this is a positive thing? Well, I mean, it's, it's something where these folks feel like, it seems as though they, they feel that it's okay because they only want to kill the biggest of fish. But at the same time, I will certainly make a full-on assumption that as far as spearfishing is concerned, I've never taken part in it, nor will I ever probably take part in spearfishing. But you got basically a whole industry that's united against this being conventional fishing and fly fishing. And, um, but at the same time, we've got a, a public comment period right now that uh, is available, uh, and and we'll, we'll give an email out here, here in a second, but whatever side you're on, we certainly recommend commenting on this matter to help invoke change on this particular matter. Right. So, you know, everybody likes to say, well, I'd just like to get the facts. I mean, uh, first of all, if you're on Facebook, go check out Austin Parr's page, and uh, you can read what Austin wrote there. But how can people um, kind of make themselves a little more educated you know, on this so they can make a decision for themselves. Well, at the same we we've got a, a meeting coming up here that's going to be the Northeast Regional Meeting, and we have the, uh, the, the spearfishing is certainly on the agenda on this. It's going to be a virtual meeting, and unfortunately we don't have the details as to how to join this meeting, but uh, looking, de- uh, you know, closely in on Parks and Wildlife's pages, including potentially Twitter or Facebook, that's where they announce it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, July 15th, at 6 p.m., we're going to be having a meeting on this, and both sides hopefully will be able to be talking about with this. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something where, looking right now, there's, there's nothing that's out there. It kind of was, was introduced uh, with only a few people involved in that Southeast Regional meeting, and uh, it's been certainly an, an interesting development as we continue to move along here. Right. Austin Parr is our guest. Once again, he's Discount Fishing Tackle. They're located at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. So, and some people might say, well, you know, you got spear fishing and then bow fishing. And so what, what's kind of the difference there? And is that a real big difference in what we're talking about? Well, at the same time, spear fishing is allowed in certain areas in Colorado for species that a lot of people refer to as rough fish in particular when we're talking about removing carp from the ecosystem. And as you're moving and talking about bow fishing, that's the majority of what you're targeting there are your carp. And bow fishing is, is the act of when you're actually on the surface of the water, uh, shooting into the water, and therefore you're having to approach these fish with a boat. You are not able to approach them at any more depth than just a couple of feet from the surface, whereas the spear fishing, you're physically diving underneath the water. And sometimes, uh, you know, you're incorporating dry suits on this, and other species that a lot of people are, are quite concerned with this is going to be your lake trout, where you get big female lake trout that can be in the neighborhood of, of 40 to 50 years old that uh, could potentially be getting shot coming up here. But being able to dive down and shoot these fish at 20 or 30 feet deep 
is certainly something that is of serious concern uh, because any of these other fish species, as far as bow fishing, although not legal on them, even if you were to open up bow fishing to game fish, basically it's, it's, it's impossible to be specifically targeting and removing these, these fish species versus when you go down underwater with camouflage dive gear and have a, a, a bow that has some pretty significant, you know, a, a, a spear gun, excuse me, that has some fairly sp- uh, s- extreme range, actually. Mm-hmm. And being able to target these fish and having these folks openly admitting that they will be targeting these trophy fish, it certainly is of concern to most in the angling community. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to give you an email here real quick, and um, you can send your email with your feelings on this. It is Josh dot nearing n-e-h-r-i-n-g at state dot c-o dot u-s again that's josh dot nearing n-e-h-r-i-n-g at state dot c-o dot u-s and then we do know there's a um, meeting coming up july 15th at 6 p.m but there is no information right now of how um we can get into that, and uh, we'll be a virtual meeting as well. So uh, as soon as we get that information, uh, we'll get Austin back on to help us out with that as well. So, Austin, overall, uh, we'll talk a little fishing now, um, a little bit, kind of give us some uh, reports here locally and around the state. Definitely in a transitional period at the moment. So as we're talking about our warm water fish species, which is what I typically am guiding for, we're starting to see a lot of bait fish that are coming into these various bodies of water, particularly places like Cherry Creek and then on the eastern Plains Lakes. And the small gizzard shad, that uh, the large gizzard shad, they, they breed in the early part of the springtime, and all their babies are moving over open water right now. And when that happens, these fish are going to be peeling off of this structure, and they haven't quite done it yet because these bait fish have not grown to quite the level that they need as of yet. But we are going to be getting to a point here in the next week or so where you'll start to be seeing fish that will be chasing fish in the middle of the water column. So rather than jigging live bait type applications, it's going to be much more productive to be trolling uh, or casting higher in the water column with things like crankbait. So Salmo hornets, Rapala shad wraps, and Berkeley flicker shads all will be productive. But trolling them fairly high in the water column as we move to the later part of July and out through the middle of the main basins can be very effective. But then additionally, talking about transitional periods, right now we're starting to have runoff start to finally subside up in the mountains. And this uh, period right now is leading into some of the best fly fishing of the entire year, particularly when we're dealing with dry fly fishing. So we're going to be seeing some fantastic hatches coming up here on places like the Colorado River and the Eagle, even smaller bodies of water, but we're seeing fantastic numbers of caddis. We're going to be seeing great PMB numbers coming up and even some of your yellow sally stoneflies on places like the Eagle coming up here. But the flows residing, uh, it definitely is going to be something that's going to be fantastic to, to go and take advantage of. And whether you're an angler that likes to fish a small creek for brook trout or fishing a larger river right now, uh, going out and, and running your dry dropper fishing is going to be fantastic. And still, the, the lower water certainly gives opportunities for conventional anglers in the mountains as well. So going and, and throwing a small marabou jig or something like a little jerk bait like an HD trout all can be very effective up on those rivers at the moment. Right. Good deal. Um I would do a show with a doctor in Dallas, uh, and then we uh, aired on one of our Dallas stations down there with Crawford Broadcasting, and I asked him yesterday, I said, how do you, he's a family uh, 
medicine uh, doctor, and I said, how do you tell families with all the stress that's going on to, I mean, what can they do this summer? All the vacations are canceled, all the different things. They got their kids and all the different things. And he said, you know what? Take them fishing. And I thought, <laughs> he said, that's a great thing for a family outing. But, you know, a lot of people may say, hey, that sounds great. And we can come to discount fishing and, you know, buy a few poles and all the things we need. But we don't have a boat. Are there some good places around where, like, you know, family wants to get together and go out there and just take the kids and, you know, do some bank fishing? Definitely some great options for that, and I do want to note that although a lot of big box stores are still out of a lot of stuff right now, I've been working day and night to be able to to continue to have the the good stock that people need from the low end all the way through the high. But when we're talking about taking a, a young family out or anyone really that's a beginner, uh, there are some good options in the Front Range area of Denver. A lot of your small ponds have great bluegill fishing in them. Even your local neighborhood pond has a lot of bass in it, likely. And it is kind of important to note right now, kind of going on the same lines of the spear fishing, that there's been so much pressure this year that when you're talking about a small pond, it really does not, it's not really able to sustain the harvest of particularly your larger bass. So right. certainly catch and release in a certain circumstance like that is going to be very good. But as we're continuing to heat up right now, a lot of my focus for people that are the beginning angler has shifted a little bit and kind of shifted up toward the mountain slightly. So it's cooling down a little bit fishing some of the the trout areas like you're dealing with a place like georgetown lake evergreen lake can be very effective or even slipping down to terriol maybe a slightly longer journey up toward the red feather lakes area Mm -hmm. all offers good action and that's the whole key right now especially when taking kids out is getting them to have good action you know going on the banks of chatfield right now although chatfield is fishing great for my guide trips it's very challenging from the shoreline the fish Focus in on a lot of your deeper water structure out there that's not exactly accessible from the shore. So going up and, and doing something even as simple as a Carolina rig being a, a, a sliding egg sinker that then is down to a swivel with a section of leader and then a hook on the end of it tipped with a hook on, uh, with some power bait or a salmon egg or a night crawler just fished along the bottom can be very effective. And even if, if your kid needs to have some more action rather than just having a pole sitting there, Going in and casting out a cast master or fishing an HD trout lure can be very good. You can have good long distance casting on those, and it's just a cast, and they're fairly fast-paced reel. And especially in the early mornings and later in the evenings, you can truly have great action in these uh, bodies of water that I just discussed. Gotcha. Well, good. And I thought that was kind of cool from a doctor's perspective. Hey, that's something. That's a great family outing. Get outdoors and enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it is sure. something that a lot of people are taking advantage of right now. And luckily we have uh, some very, in, very great resources in this state from warm water fishing all the way up to the mountains to have some true variety when it comes to the fishing experience. Right. Now, you mentioned your guiding, so let's, let's talk about you a minute and your terrific guiding trips and what you have available. Yeah, so we've been pretty darn busy, and I personally am booked up a little ways here, but we certainly have some other guides for me that work for me that are uh, available as we move through July here. But the bite is still fish, you know, still doing really good right now. Like I mentioned, we are in that transitional period, but with us being out on the water so much, we are certainly knowing exactly what's going on with that. So adjusting and, and changing slightly as we move through these next uh, couple of weeks will be something we'll be doing on a daily basis. But if you want to learn how to catch some walleyes and or smallmouth bass, we can most certainly help with that. And no matter what the skill level really is on that, we go anywhere from, as we mentioned, kids and families all the way up through the high-end angler that is looking to learn a specific technique or or get dialed in on electronics or boat control or or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We 
certainly enjoy those trips a lot as well. Absolutely. You can reach Austin directly at 303-514-5546. Again, that's 303-514-5546. And I can tell you, uh, you will have a great time. You will learn a lot, and you will catch fish. And I'm not putting any pressure on you, but I'm telling you, uh, you do very well. I just had a great buddy that went with you uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I told him about you several years ago when he finally got around to getting with you, and he said, man, that guy knows everything about fishing. You know, and uh, So, uh, no, they were very, very happy. All right, uh, just three or four minutes left here, but I uh, want to talk about boating safety a little bit. You know, boy, a lot of people are going to be out here, especially over the 4th, and, and, and I don't even know, are all, all the you know, areas around here locally, everybody, all the boats and ramps open and all that kind of stuff? Boat, boat ramps are open right now, and, and kicking back to a little point on the spear fishing again, you talk about spear fishing on these busy bodies of water with people diving. It certainly is dangerous enough to be out on the body of water itself, but... Um, Certainly going along the same lines with that, if you are looking to boat this weekend, maybe something slightly further away from Denver may not be a bad idea and or got to get out there early or later in the day. Uh, so if you're going to be out there thinking about fishing Cherry Creek or Chatfield, my recommendation would be right as boat inspections open, drop your boat on, fish for a couple hours, and, and pop off. The additional recreational traffic right now is going to be fairly significant, I imagine, this weekend. But adjusting a little bit and, and maybe slipping to the mountains, going to a place like Granby or 11 Mile or Spinney, all can provide certainly a lot less recreational boat traffic. And although there may be some fishing pressure, you're going to have a much nicer experience as far as recreational traffic there. And then if you want to get more of the warm water experience, uh, east on the plains certainly provides that as well. Places like Jackson Lake may be slightly busy, but shifting out a bit further towards something like a, 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 a North Sterling, although the water level is dropping out there, the boat ramps are still totally open and provides a large body of water uh, with a great experience out there that uh, the walleye fishing has been pretty darn productive on those eastern bodies of water still. But I do want to make a uh, mention that if you plan on going out east, certainly the, the shad have been coming out a little bit more. So plan on doing more of a trolling application if you're thinking about boating and, and fishing out there. So break out your shad wraps and your salmo hornets and your flicker shad and troll over the open water right now rather than jigging on those particular bodies of water. Okay, man, a lot of great information there. Once again, we're visiting with Austin Parr, Discount Fishing Tackle. They're located at 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. Their number, 303-698-2550. Now, um, touching on boating safety just for a minute, just, I mean, you're out there a lot. You see a lot of things. I mean, maybe just three or four tips for families that may be going out with boating. And just, first of all, they need to know the laws and all they need to Definitely. have with life jackets and all that. And, of course, just like Kevin Flesh does shows with us on DUIs, uh, driving while there, you can get one with boating as well. So uh, what's just a couple of tips you might share just for make sure everybody stays safe this July 4th? I mean, to start with, uh, like I mentioned, I think the, the going early thing is a big one for sure, kind of staying away, away from the crowds. Uh, Secondarily, definitely keeping your eyes open at all times. There's a lot of you know inexperienced boaters out there that certainly can not necessarily be as careful, I suppose you could say, as, as they probably should be. But another thing that I really emphasize a lot when going out there is, if at all possible, have two people on, on the boat that really are comfortable backing a trailer and, and getting your boat off the water. <laughs> it's a much better experience for everyone. Yeah. And especially if you have some storms moving across, if if just one person is the only person able to, to back the trailer, you can even get to a dangerous situation, certainly at times, particularly on places with uh, a boat ramp that's not quite as developed. 
but being able to drop somebody off, have them uh, get that trailer in the water for you to then put that trailer on is something that, in my opinion, is really overlooked, but sometimes can be very important. Gotcha. Well, Austin, we appreciate it. Again, if you're just joining us, we start out our segment today talking about uh, um, something that's going on with spear fishing. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to go by and even see Austin and visit with him about it, like I say, he's there at Discount Fishing Tackle. But um, that email, I want to give it out one more time that if you want to contact josh.nearing, N E H R I N G, at state.co.us uh, for your feelings on that. And then there will be a meeting July 15th, 6 o'clock. And as soon as we get information on that of how you can join in that virtual meeting, we will give you that information as well. So, Austin, as always, man, great information. We appreciate it. And uh, we will do all we can to um, help this effort. Uh, not succeed. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate yeah. it, and uh, we will, you know, like, and as I mentioned, it's important for anybody, no matter what your opinion is on it, make your voice heard on this, and, and uh, go ahead and, and send Josh uh, an email. Sure. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. All right. That's Austin Parr, Discount Fishing Tackle, 2645 South Santa Fe Drive. Get by and see him, and Austin always takes care of our listeners. So just tell him you heard about him here on Sportsman of Colorado, and I promise you he'll take good care of you. we got to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. Hi, everybody. Jack Corgan. There's no better time than now to visit my friends at Len Lyle Chevrolet. They're open, following all proper safety precautions, and ready to offer terrific deals. Suburbans for over 10000 less, better than 7000 off a brand-new Equinox. And Len Lyle Chevy has 0% financing on almost every model. Plus, they need trade-ins badly, so they're willing to pay over book value. Len Lyle Chevrolet, it's time for you to go east and pay the least. And did I mention they need your trade-ins? Hi, this is Scott Watley for Stack Optical. Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their Denver patients for over 50 years. And as a family-owned business, trust me when I say they have seen hard times before. And no doubt the days we are living in are very difficult for us all. But owner Alan Stack and his wife Marilyn want you to know they are here for you. If you need an eye exam, new glasses, or even repair to your glasses, Stack Optical is ready to help. Call to schedule your private appointment today and rest assured every step has been taken to ensure your safety and health at Stack Optical. I've trusted my eye care to them for many years, and you can too. So if it's time for your eye exam or that new pair of glasses, call them today, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Or check them out at stackoptical.com. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. We don't normally think about our garage door until it's too late. A spring breaks, and right when you're running late for that very important appointment, you jump in the car, push the remote, your door doesn't open. Don't let that happen. Call Marianne at Affordable Door Company today and schedule your garage door inspection. At Affordable Doors, they are able to offer same-day service in the Denver metro area as well as free estimates. With over 30 years of experience and with over 26,000 satisfied customers, you can be assured of a pleasant experience when you deal with Affordable Door Company. Call Marianne now at 303-680-8440. That's 303-680-8440. And to see a complete list of services, visit garagedoorproblems.com. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. 
With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracoat and Cerakote areas. Family-owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting, and long-range precision firearms. Also, suppressors from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms. Building your firearm dreams into reality. That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496, or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. And once again, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Just a reminder now, if you miss our live show on Saturdays from 1 to 2, you can catch us on Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. And then a new time in the evening, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we will re-air the show as well. So hopefully one of those three times will work out for you. Well, we're going to finish up today's show with our good friend Dennis Hess from Archery School, the Rockies. They are located at 2110 Bush Avenue in Colorado Springs. Their number, easy to remember, 719-ARCHERY. And Dennis, uh, wow, a very active last three or four months. But how are you, sir? Oh, under the circumstances, doing well. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. Yeah, it's been a challenge. It sure has, and I tell you, it has changed the landscape for all of us in our personal lives, business and all. But uh, we are glad to say that Archery School of the Rockies, your doors are open. Yes, they are. We are, we're open, we're doing, we're still servicing bows, making strings, uh, have our shooting lanes open, or all our retail. Everything is open that uh, normally is. Uh, we do request, though, we're running a little bit of a limited staff, and we do request that if you can, make an appointment. Gotcha. Whether it's coming in to shoot, so just so we can control the numbers. Sure, absolutely. And stay within the guidelines. So. And like most so. businesses, uh, you know, the whole mask thing seems to make a lot of people comfortable. So, uh, you know, if you got a mask, bring that. If not, uh, you've got some right. there for folks. Yeah. We we have some masks. We had masks donated to us that we have, and that that uh, if you need a mask, we have them there. All right. Cool. Well, hey, one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on, I uh, saw your post the other day and, and called you because uh, something pretty new and exciting there for people to come and shoot. You've got your um, a new 3D thing set up. Tell us about that. Right. The 3D range is up. And actually, it's a 4D range. Oh, 4D. Okay. Range. Wow. Uh, and that's the name of it is 4D. Okay. And it's out of Germany, by the way. But... This system has over 500 different screens that we can run. Uh, you can tell it if you want to go to a particular country and hunt the animals in that country. Uh, you can set it up for all elk or all turkey or all deer. And just let your imagination run wild as, as far as all the different screens. There's fantasy. You can shoot dragons. Uh, there's novelty like the old shooting arcades. Oh, wow. Spinning wheels and moving ducks and so forth. <laughs> All so, right. It's a really so, cool system. So how's the process work? Do people come in and they, they buy like 30 minutes, they buy an hour? How does that work? Uh, what we're doing is we're doing it by the hour, and it's $25 an hour. Okay. They come in and shoot it. 
But at the same time, if you come in and shoot and pay to shoot the video range, you can also, after you're done, you can go out on our regular ranges and shoot the rest of the day. Oh, okay. Well, that's a fair deal. So you're actually getting both. Right. Now, do you shoot shoot special arrows? Do you put a special tip on them? What's the deal there? No, that's what's unique with this system. Uh, It doesn't have actual scoring. It does have, once once you shoot your arrow, it freezes the video when the arrow hits the, the backstop so that you see exactly where you hit, and it also will light up a vital area when you're hunting the animals. Okay. It will light up a vital area, and you can see that, yes, I was in the vitals wow. and where you were. Wow. So it's not, along, it's not along the same lines as the dart system, but I, actually, I like it better for the very reason you still get to see where your arrow hit when it freezes the video. Sure. And at the same time, uh, the, all the other systems, my understanding of the way they work is, is it also uh, determines whether you should have shot or not at that moment. Hmm. And it will actually dock your score if you shoot when, when the computer doesn't think you should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, in my mind, leads to target panic once you learn the systems, because then you know when, when to shoot and when not to, and you start punching the trigger. <laughs> no doubt. So do most do a lot of guys or gals, they just come there by themselves and do that, or is there room? I mean, do, uh, or, or no, people, there, there's get... room. We can actually put probably eight, six to eight people. Oh, wow. And there's okay. a group shooting it. Wow, that's cool. And that's available all the hours that you're open? Yes. Okay. If we're open, it's available. All right. Once again, there's a totally separate range that it's, it's on. Okay. Well, once again, it's Archery School of the Rockies. Uh, their number is 719-ARCHERY. If you've got any questions for Dennis or you want to make an appointment, and uh, archeryschooloftherockies.com, and it's 2110 Bush Avenue there in Colorado Springs. So uh, any specials right now you're running on different bows? You got any 19s you're blowing out or specials on 20? Uh, we've, we've got some pretty good sales in there on expeditions. Uh, I've actually been staying out of the shop, so I can't give you real yeah, no problem. Specifics at the moment, but yeah, we are we are selling at discount, and we've also we've we've got the new Prime Blacks in. Uh, they are in stock. We have the new Expeditions, uh, the MX fifteen sixteen, uh, and I actually finally have a Mach one on the shelf from PSE. That's wow, been one of our hottest. Hottest selling bows. I've got one on the shelf at the moment, but uh, basically they've been selling up. I've been sold before I get them, so yeah, <laughs> they've been a little tough to get. And with all the all the issues going on with the COVID nineteen and factory shutdowns and so forth, they can be a little bit of a hot item. So sure, I, <laughs> excuse me, no problem. I do have one on the shelf though right now, so. Anybody interested, get in get in and get it quick. <laughs> okay, all right. Just about a minute left here, but what about leagues or anything like that? Are you doing any league stuff right now or just due to all the COVID, just individual shooting? We we are slowly, slowly starting to put our teams back to shooting. In fact, uh, this week was the start of it that, that we're slowly bringing the teams back in. We have not started leagues. Uh, unfortunately, even on Tuesday, I – had to cancel the ASA for the year for Colorado. Oh, wow. Okay. So the ASA outdoor is not going to happen this year. 
we will be, based on how things happen, we will be trying to get the, uh, the indoor ASA Colorado Championships going again here this fall. Okay. Well, once again, you're south of town there, and especially in the Springs area, if you're looking for a great place to shoot, great people, and um, people that know archery, and that's something that you really want as experts and people that can give you that infield experience, it is Archery School, the Rockies, and they're 2110 Bush Avenue, the number 719 Archery, and when you go in, let them know you heard about them here on Sportsman of Colorado, but that 4D range is open, and uh, 25 bucks an hour, and uh, boy, it just sounds like a lot of fun so dennis man we appreciate it as always and uh we'll look forward and we'll come down there and shoot that with you soon yeah you need to come down and uh let me know when you're coming and we'll in there and give it a give it a give it a go all right sir that sounds great well dennis thank you so much man we really appreciate it thank you all right that's dennis hess archery school of the rockies again their number 719 archery 2110 bush avenue you're listening to sports from colorado We'll be right back. You don't need to feel anxious about talking to KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh. I normally can tell when someone's pretty anxious about talking with me. I'll try to just have a conversation with them about why they're anxious. Don't worry, we're here to help you. Consultation is free. Anything you say to me is confidential. So whether you're concerned about it or not concerned about it, it's not going to leave this room. And then let's just talk about what it is that's giving you trouble in your life, whatever it is, just to get them to a point where they recognize I'm just another human being that's sitting there trying to help them. And then we can talk about the legal aspect of it once I understand what it is and they really have a good sense that I'm really there to help. Call now for a free consultation with KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh, who also happens to be a genuinely nice person. 303-806-8886. 303-806-8886. Or visit fleshlawfirm.com. F-L-E-S-C-H. Flesh and Beck Law. They get results. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center would like to announce their new K-9 Academy is open. Hi, this is Scott Watley for my friends at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. The K-9 Academy is offering all new classes and several exciting additions, including the new sport classes, scent work, and tray ball that dogs love. Their pet behavior specialist has over 20 years of experience working with animals large and small, including dogs and cats and zoo animals and exotics. He's available Tuesday through Saturday to help you with all of your pet training needs. Visit LoneTreeVet.com and check out the K-9 Academy page for the summer class schedule or just give them a call at 303-708-8050 and get your pet started in the training that's best for you and your pet. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Well, I thought today we might reach back into our archives here and find one of our best of interviews, and I chose Jim Shockey. It was great to have Jim with us and uh, have him on our show. Got to meet him at the Cabela's in Lone Tree, and then he agreed to come on this show. So we're going to go that interview now, and I hope you enjoy it. Again, Jim Shockey. Jim, thanks for being with us on Sportsman of Colorado Radio. <laughs> thanks for having me. 
Well, hey, well, I'm telling you, it was awesome to meet you here uh, in in Denver, and uh, so so thankful you're taking a few minutes to be with us today. Well, you know, boy, look, looking and doing the research, you know, watched your shows for all the years and all the things, but then going back and, and listening to uh, kind of how you got into this and some of your background, wow, it's just things I didn't know. So if you don't mind taking a minute. Take us back a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit of your history and then how you got into the whole hunting and outdoors. Boy, I started about, let's see, I think it was two years old, <laughs> you know, collecting beetle bugs and earthworms uh, uh, way back when. And, and I mean, I, it was, I was born into it, so it wasn't long before I graduated to mice and gophers and coyotes <laughs> and eventually deer. And, and our, our family, when I grew up, I, I mean, I lived in a trailer park for my first six years. And if my dad didn't get a moose every fall, we didn't go you know, buy a cow. That didn't exist. Right. Like, I didn't even know you could do that back in those days. So, so we, you know, we came from a hunting family, but for meat, um, you know, my dad, his uh, favorite hunt would be get out there, get get a deer first thing in the morning so you could be back at work by noon. And that was a good hunting season. And I... I just took a one more step where, to me, you know, there's something a little more spiritual involved than just just the meat. So, you know, I, I uh, started trying to make the hunts last until the last day, and uh, and uh, then started writing about it. And then I published my first article in Bow Bender magazine back in 1984. Got forty two dollars for that article. Wow. Now that started me on my professional <laughs> career. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, um, again, we're going to talk about some of the hunting and all the things, but one of the things that really impressed um, me, uh, you know, a lot about um, just your uh, your mission, your philosophy a little bit is your emphasis on family. Um, talk, talk a minute just about, you know, what that means for you as far as family, now hunting with family and uh, all of that. Well, you know, I... That that is what hunting is about. Right? They they tend to focus in the popular press on that little tiny slice of hunting that that's the kill, and and they say that's what hunting is all about is the kill. It's not. It, hunting is, is a big pie all around that part. You know, that's a, that's a fraction of a second in a in a given hunt that might have taken a year to prepare for and and uh, you know years to save for. Sure. And so family family is is a huge part of that, that pie. Um, you know, back historically, we would have we would have hunted to bring food to our family. You know, which which makes the you know the tribe stronger, the clan stronger, and and that's you know it, it was all about family, mm-hmm. and, and it still is to this day. If, you know, when I'm speaking at events, it, I see families in front of me. You know, this isn't you know it's nice to get a big animal shirt, it is, and it's nice to get meat for the table, but Ultimately, you know, the family is, is the most important part, this tradition of passing down the skills from grandfather to father to, you know, son to grandson and, and, and on through the generations. I mean, that's, you know, to me, hunting is, uh, is all about family. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Jim Shockey is our guest. Be sure and check out his Facebook page or, or one of them. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash uncharted television. You can follow there. Check your local listings for the outdoor channel shows. Again, Jim Shockey Hunting Adventures and Jim Shockey Uncharted. Uh, great, great show. And 
You know, boy, our, our stations are filled with a lot of shows, but I'm telling you, uh, I can't think of one that, that uh, comes near to matching um, where you put us because where you, it's great when you can kind of follow the adventure and yet feel like almost you're, it's, it's almost like a documentary a little bit of, of the places that you go and, you know, the lifestyles and all of that. Um, so when you started TV, how's that really changed from what you were doing then when you very first began to what you're doing now with Uncharted? Uh, you know, when I first started, my, my goal was to bring the hunters along with us on the hunt. And I, I remember when I first pitched the, the sponsors about it way long ago, boy, 17, 18 years ago for the hunting adventure show, and you know, I, you know, I said we're going to be hopefully traveling all over the world and talking about culture and and uh, different hunting skills, traditions in other parts of the world. They, 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 the, the most common response was it'll never fly because it's not about turkeys and whitetail, and that's all hunters want to see. And, and you know, I, I, I disagreed with them. I, you know, hunters are explorers. Explorers are hunters. And we, we've been opening up this world since the beginning of humankind mm -hmm. and part of that is discovering you know the different foods in a new place uh, uh, the traditions in a new place uh, the culture that's in these places and every hunter given the opportunity you know wants i believe to, to learn about that and, and again as i was saying that that's a part of hunting that the you know popular press tends to forget about or at least not focus on so we we decided to do that you know it's what I love about traveling to these places, even if it's down to Mississippi, my goodness sakes, I was there a couple weeks ago. Right. <laughs> that's that's a different culture than I'm used <laughs> yes, to. Sir. Really. Yes, sir. And, and definitely different food. So, so you know, that's that's what I wanted to show in in our television productions, and it, and it's obviously, you know, it, it's worked. Hunters yes. are interested in far more than just turkeys and and white-tailed deer. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, as you travel the world and you speak at all the different things that you do, and um, what do you believe are the challenges that you see for hunters and, and conservation going forward? Well, I mean, it's educating the, the non-hunting public. You know, there, there's a tiny percentage, probably 3% out there, that are just ideological, will never change their opinion of what, what hunting is. They, they don't, it's not about the wildlife. It's, it's about stopping hunters right. from doing what they do. So those will never be able to change. You know, then there's 10% of, of us that hunt, um, you know, plus family members, so it's a lot higher number than that. But then there's the, the middle 80%. And that, our biggest challenge will be educating that middle 80% about what hunting actually is and, and, and the benefits of hunting conservation-wise, just health-wise, if, if for no other reason, good organic meat mm -hmm. and touching back family-wise you know it's, it's a great pastime for a family so our biggest challenge would be somehow getting into the, the mainstream press with with that message and, and you know negating some of their their negative press on and caricaturizing or caricaturizing <laughs> i've been hiking for a long time yeah no uh, you know, <laughs> like basically showing us as buffoons i mean we're not we're not and that, that's going to be our biggest challenge is uh educating the non-hunting public we need them and for the most part as soon as you have a chance to explain to them they understand they get it very quickly it's just logic and on top of that it's right 
so that you know if we can reach him with a message, we all uh, we'll, we'll done a great service to hunting and hunting hunters going into the future. Yes, sir. You know, looking at all the different places you've hunted, uh, you know, and looking up some of the research, 45 countries, six continents, uh, 350 species. What what drives you still today after having so much success? Um, what what's still your your motivation for continuing on? <laughs> Discovery. Yes, sir. I mean, what, what's what's over that that next mountain across that next river? Uh, that's like I said earlier. Hunters are explorers. Explorers are hunters, and, and you know, it's not so much about the animal. I, I'm honestly just as excited hunting a, a, a gopher as I am hunting a Cape buffalo over in Africa. Yes. I, I, you know, that, that feeling as a hunter, we know what it is. It, it's virtually impossible to explain it to somebody who doesn't hunt I mean, until they experience it. They, they, don't, they can't, how do, you, how do you describe it, overwhelming? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an adrenaline rush. It's not. You, you can get that doing, you know, jumping out of an airplane. That's, that's not what it is at all. So, so it's that, that deep spirituality that, that overwhelms you when, when you're out there in the wildlands. You know, knowing you're hunting, not just voyeuristically looking at the uh, at the animals or the, you know the landscape, but actually being a part of of this natural cycle of life begetting death, begetting life, begetting death. I mean, it, it, it's you know being a part of that in every place that I can be, and and discovering you know the, the hunting techniques, learning about the people in that area. The habits of the wildlife that we're after, the taste—I mean, just to try these different animals, the different ways they prepare them. You know, this this all draws me like a, a moth to a flame. And like I say, I, I think that's the the explorer gene inside this particular hunter is very, very strong. But it, but it's in every hunter. Absolutely. Jim Shockey is our guest. Check out, again, his Facebook, facebook.com slash Uncharted Television. Follow him on Facebook. Um, check out the shows on the Outdoor Channel for your local listings. You know, I've watched some of the videos and different things about you, and I, and I heard you tell a story about, um, and I, I forgot where you were, but where the gentleman ripped off your sunglasses and then... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell us that story a little bit, Jim, about the sunglass issue. <laughs> Yeah, that, that actually that, that happened on the in Ethiopia on the smuggling line between Somalia and Sudan. Um, I was in in an area that is controlled by the Mercy tribe, and you know there, there, there's some of them are, are like anywhere. There, there's some bad actors, and, and I was out in the savannah and I bumped into a uh, group of about seven of these young warriors. I mean, they're all carrying AK-47s. They're hard, hard, hard young men. You know, they're late teens, early twenties. Lots of testosterone. And uh, <laughs> when they when they came up to us, I mean, normally we're a pretty hard target. You know, we always show or try and present that that look. You, you, someone's going to get killed. Someone's going to get hurt, real bad. And, and we don't know which one it is. So don't bother. It's just not worth it. But in this case, you know, occasionally, you, you know, you get someone that wants to push it, and the, this young sort of leader of that little gang came up to me, you know, there was a standoff in front of us, and he walked up and pulled my sunglasses off my face and, and put them on himself and then turned to his buddies and was kind of, you know, like, yeah, look how cool I am. And, you know, that that's a dominance. That, that he's exerting dominance. And right. He, 
you can't ever let that happen. You know, this isn't about diplomacy when it comes to that kind of situation. It's, you know, force can only be met with an equal force. And if it, uh, it you know, goes beyond that, well, that so be it. But you're not going to avoid it by talking. It'll just get worse. You'll turn around and next he'll he'll grab whatever, make you take your boots off, and then mm-hmm. then eventually they they just do whatever they want with you. So so when he after he turned to his buddies and turned to me just to kind of see what I would do, I reached over and grabbed his uh, his Grigri uh, necklace and snapped it off his neck and and implied that this was a good trade. He gets my sunglasses, I'll get his Grigri. So there's equal force. At that point, he has to decide: am, am I bluffing or? Or, you know, is is this truly, you know, someone's going to die, someone's going to get hurt badly. And I remember it was a standoff for about 15 seconds, but, you know, human nature, this little guy was, he, he knew he was probably uh, not much of a, not, not a very nice guy even to his buddies. He was the leader for a reason. He was probably meaner and not, not as well-liked as the other guys, but, you know, more powerful. He, One of the other guys behind him started snickering. And once that happened, then the whole group of them started laughing at, at their little leader, and that broke the, the tension. He, right. he gave the sunglasses back. I gave the Grigri necklace back to him, and we're, uh, we were buddies. Because that, that was the only way to save things. I actually, my screensaver on my computer is of me standing with those seven <laughs> little bad actors and, and uh, <laughs> taking a picture with them. So that, you know, it reminds me every single day of, of the fact that we can never, ever walk around being victims. You know, sometimes sometimes you just have to stand your ground, draw yes, a line in the sand. That's it. No more. No more. And, and that's, like I say, a reminder every day when I see that picture. Absolutely, man. What a cool story. Yeah. Um, so all the trophies we mentioned those a few of those that you've taken. Um, are there any that you can think of that just have more of a, a special meaning for you? Oh, for sure. A- any of the any of the animals that. You know, I was hunting with my family. Yes, not, not animals that I've taken necessarily. I mean, I, I've got white-tailed deer from my father, moose from my father that are in in our museum. You know, Eva's deer, our son Brandlin's deer. I, I think I've even got a couple of Eva's moose, you know, up on the wall, which which you can always tell because they're the smallest ones up there. <laughs> yeah, right. they, they, you know, those, those are <laughs> hopefully hopefully Eva's listening right now. Thank you, Eva. Right. Uh, you know the, the, the um, you know the, the the most important animals to me the memories of of being with family. Yes, sir. But uh, it just doesn't get any better than that. I don't care if it's a world record walking by me. If it if it meant that I would miss a hunt with one of my family members, I, I would I would care less about that world record. Right. It's way way more important about family. Absolutely. Jim Shockey is our guest. Once again, check out the Outdoor Channel shows that Jim has. Uncharted, you will not see a finer show than that. Jim Shockey's hunting adventures as well. So what could be possibly be left on the Jim Shockey bucket list to take? <laughs> well, there's animals, you know, just because I've hunted in those countries all over the world doesn't mean that I got the animals after every time. So there's some places that I've Sure, like to go back and have a, a sure. redo. Yes, One of sir. Is, uh, back to Liberia for zebra diker. I, you know, I spent 17 days hiking around in those jungles trying to get a zebra diker. Never saw one. And, uh, then, of course, the Ebola uh, problem happened, so I, I haven't been able to get back in there. And, you know, that's that's one that I'd like to go back and try. I, I've heard that there's hunting for mouse deer in Vietnam, 
but I don't know anybody that's done it. Um, I love the hunting Guam. I know there's actual hunting for sandbar there. So, hmm. you know, there there's a few places that uh, I haven't been in. And if there's countries that will open up, like Japan, to uh, foreign hunting, there's a lot of hunting in Japan, but just not, not for foreigners. Sure. So if they ever open up, I'd love to hunt hunt there. And uh, China, if it opens up again. The Primorsky Cry over in Russia, I didn't get a chance to hunt down there out of Vladivostok. You know, those are there's some really cool animals there to try and go after. So, so there, there's there's lots on the bucket list. You know, it's it's just you know the world's a big place, and uh, hmm. nobody will ever hunt everything everywhere. But uh, I, I mean, I'm sure give it my best shot. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You know, when I first contacted you, I was over in uh, South Africa hunting, and of course, I know you go over there quite a bit as well. Uh, what do you see in the future for you know, boy, the, the climate there for hunting in South Africa? Uh, you know, it, it's a really sad, sad state of affairs in so many of the African countries. Not not just South Africa. You know, they're, they're you know, they're they're rolling over. They're they're turning over. They're there's so much change happening, and I, and I sometimes despair about what will happen to the wildlife in those places. You know, I, I, it's definitely going to continue to go. You know, like they'll they'll still be hunting in South Africa for sure into the foreseeable future. But but uh, boy, you know, another 20 years from now, I'd like my my grandchildren to be able to experience the hunting in South Africa. But but I'm not so sure that that's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, I, I, like i said sometimes filled with despair the political situation in these countries you know there, there's a lot of failed states over in, in africa and south africa is still functioning but but not as well as it was you know a few years back so i, I it's hard to say i mean i if i was wise enough wise enough to predict the future i'd <laughs> be able to tell everybody either get out of there or everybody move there right you know i just it's hard to say but but i know it, it doesn't i i you know i it doesn't look great for the wildlife, unfortunately. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, that, that's the reality of today's world. There's, there's too many of us as the problem. There's seven and a half billion of us in this world, and we need space. We need something to eat, and, and unfortunately, wildlife is something that can be eaten and doesn't really belong to anybody, so it doesn't hurt your own net worth. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. If, uh, any Anything we can do to help over there, we really have a responsibility to do for sure is conservationists. Absolutely. Uh, just a couple of minutes left here, but one thing, you know, uh, like I say, since family is a, certainly a, a big part to me, certainly, uh, you know, love that about uh, all the different things that I've been able to read and watch about you as well. What are your suggestions for those families maybe, you know, where, hey, you know, the dad or mom, you know, they are hunters or trying to get the kids into it. What are some uh, tips that maybe you could give for, you know, hey, you're trying to get your young person into doing this. Um, you know, what are some tips to help get our young people, you know, involved in this for the next generation of hunting? Yeah, there, there, you know, there's a, kind of a lost generation. We urbanized uh, you know, back through the 60s, 70s, and, and lost a generation or two of hunters. So it is difficult nowadays for the this newer sort of locavore-type hunter from the urban centers to, to learn and, and discover the wonders of hunting without any connections into the hunting world. But... You know, to them, I'd say that there's all kinds of local organizations, uh, fish and, and game clubs, in just about every urban center. So, you know, the, the kids nowadays, the youngsters, are, are so well-versed at you know, Googling. They're Google. You'll yeah. find who's ever 
local in your area. And, and the great thing about hunters, they're always willing to help out. You know, if there's someone new, you know, this they, they don't treat them as, as outsiders. They welcome them. They want them to come and learn to discover. They want to share, the, like I say, the wonders of the outdoors. So, so there's there's many organizations, conservation organizations in every part of, of you know, Canada and the United States that that these people can can access, and, and they'll they'll find a a welcoming committee that would love to have them and love to teach them about hunting, give them the the, the starters, you know, a foundation. At that point. You know, then it's just desire. You, the more time you spend out in the wildlands, the higher your odds of, of succeeding getting that animal. So, you know, that, that takes desire. That, that part, nobody can instill. That, you're, you're born with that. Absolutely. Well, Jim, hey, man, I really mean this. I am super, super grateful for your time today, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross again. And, uh, but I appreciate you taking time to be with us on Sportsman of Colorado. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for giving me a voice. All right. Once again, we want to thank Jim Shockey. Thanks for joining us today for Sportsman of Colorado. We'll talk to you next week. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.